this is Sotsi. I'm here with Sarah, and you are listening to Sweet Release. So I want to bring up a component of the male gaze that I think is particularly interesting, or at least this has been interesting me recently, which is the nun versus whore dynamic. And maybe this is a little bit heteronormative, but like, I think like a lot of scholars you know a lot of like female writers and such would say that like a component of the male gaze in our society is that it exists within us you know it's internalized like every woman every like feminine being has to some extent like a little man in their head watching them and I think that there's um I want to explore the binary of being a nun versus being a whore. I feel like the nun is someone who understands their worth to the point where they like want to um, respect themselves more than they respect other people. So there's kind of like a condescending tone to that. Yeah. Because there's extremes on like both levels. And then the whore is one who like would rather give their energy out because they can't contain it all, whereas the nun, like, wants to contain it all and, like, feels fulfilled containing it. Yeah, I mean, like, both aren't accurate, you know? I mean, like, the self is always flowing. Like, you can wake up one day and be one thing and be another one the next day. And also, like, a nun still has sexual desire, you know? They're just, like, repressing it. So it's not that they, like, Mm -hmm. aren't a sexual being. They're just, like responding to that energy differently what do you think about hookups and hookup culture I don't really have an opinion on it I guess I don't either (laughs) (laughs) I mean sex is an energy exchange but like so is everything else and I think like you can like exchange that energy if you want or don't Yeah, I think, like, when you're having sex with someone, you can, like, feel their energy, like, kind of radiating into your, like, abdomen and stuff, and there's more of, like, this sort of, like, heat, but it's not, like, physical heat. It's more of, like, this metaphysical, like, ethereal heat that's, like, it's being created, Um, and you can either to, like, accept that, like, accept the radiation or kind of, like, push it away from you. Yeah, you can close off to it for sure. yeah Yeah, for sure I think though like men view things in a way that's more like simplistic you know more black and white I'm going back to my num versus whore thing just because I think like you have to like fit in one of their categories you know what I mean and then I think like subliminally like we try to fit in their categories or we're like well I just hate categories Sarah like all of them like I'm always like I spend so much brain fuel deciding which category I'm in when it's a construct you know yeah the social schemas that psychology has identified is so real social schemas what's that a schema is like we've been trained to be like, oh, I can put things in this box, so therefore it is a container. You know, like, we're kind of 
built to like identify things yeah and then and once we do that with people it's kind of like people become objects in a sense isn't that what astrology is like what do you mean like by that? it's like oh you're an aries oh no i think that's like people are gonna say like oh, that's space racism like that's my number one pet space when people say that <laughs> when <laughs> when it's way more deeper and complex and there's like you know, the the threads of fate are getting intertwined into so much more than just, like, your birth chart and stuff. So you can't, like, classify someone off of their birth chart, per se, because there's all of, like, these social, cultural, religious, uh, experiential things that kind of make you as a person. And also, like, the spiritual realm of it, too. Like, what you have touched on the other side, like, and how that reflects back on you. And it's really awful that, like, people categorize other people so readily because of their birth chart as well. But also men do that all the time, too, and they're the ones that hate astrology. Like, men either classify women as their, um, a mom, Ooh. like a mother figure. I mean, that's the nun, though, don't you think? A nun or a whore. Well, no, because I think, like, emotional incest is so much more prevalent with men and their mothers. Mm. And it's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, without going too into this, like, just men are so socialized away from having, like, intimate energy exchanges, you know, outside of sex and or their mom, which is probably, mm. like, the basis for all of that. I also think, like, some categories keep you safe. <clears throat> and another thing I want to say on that is, like, I wish we were more accepting about disliking people. <laughs> like, as a society, it's like, they don't have to do something problematic. They don't have to be a narcissist. They don't have to do something unforgivable. Like, you can just not like someone because they're annoying. And you can just, like, own that. And, like, obviously that's on you. You know, it's like you're the one disliking people. But I wish... We could be more, like, okay with that. You yeah. know, like, I don't like this person, and that's okay. Yeah, it's kind of weird when people are like, I like everyone, I can get along with everyone. Because that kind of shows, like, do you know who you are then? Mm, I can think of people I went to high school with, maybe. Like, people in my classes who were like that. Like, friends with everyone. And everyone was like, oh, so-and-so is so sweet. Like, oh my gosh, protect so-and-so, you know, and, like, now in, like, adulthood, looking at those people, I can see, like, just, and this, maybe this isn't always the case, but people-pleasing is usually an indicator of, like, a much, like, deeper and larger thing going on there, you know? Yeah, it's so hard to step out of that mindset once you get like fully engulfed in it yeah I have that big time with my family just like mm -hmm. monitoring other people's energy you know yeah it's also just like once you get into that sort of phase where you're like 
getting energy from someone because you're doing something correctly for them or that you're like pleasing them in some sort of way it's also like degrading yourself so there's like this this balance that comes off and there's this alignment that like is kind of like very like unstable and rocky but it, it's really hard to catch because you're the one that's like building the blocks in a certain direction yeah it's complicated I mean, I think a lot of these imprints come from childhood. Like, if you have a parent who... I don't know, this is a thing I experienced a lot in my relationship. Relationships with everyone, really. Um, just that, like, growing up, I wasn't really allowed to make choices. Like... If I was at, like, and I'm not, I'm not, like, complaining, but if I was at, this was just my reality, if I was at a restaurant or something, and I didn't want to eat anything on the menu, like, too bad, you know what I mean? Like, better find something to eat, or, like, if I didn't, like, I'm just thinking about food right now, because that's what, what the last time it was relevant to me, but, like, if I didn't like what we were eating for dinner, like, I still had to eat it, you know, and so I think because of that as an adult I like don't really make choices for myself like maybe especially regarding food but in like other ways too like I just don't I would never be like I don't like this I want to leave sort of and so when I'm with other people especially cardinal people like I think I attract a lot of cardinal energy that's like let's do this let's do that let's go here let's leave here like I'm just like silently following them and simultaneously super triggered. Hmm. I think like cardinal people like deal with their karma very quickly. Can you say the three types? The three types of modalities? Mm -hmm. The three categories. <laughs> Well, cardinal is, like, the first one. And cardinal literally means, like, to get from point A to point B as fast as possible or to, like, have, like, a direct connection with, um, with your action or, so to speak, you know? Like, you know your momentum, you know why you're doing it, you know how you're doing it. There's, like, just more, like, direct action with cardinal energy. And then the, the mutable. Or, no, it would be fixed next, actually, which is more, like, like stabilizing and grounding and building and maintaining and consistence. And then there's, like, the mutable, which is chaos and just can go with anything and, like, so adaptable to change, which is really, like, I think, I forgot, I, th I think it might have been Sylvia Plath that said something like, you, your survival instincts aren't, you're not meant to, like, survive or something like that. You're, like, you're meant to change, and, like, that's how you survive. Mm. Like, adapt like adaptability is, like, the number one um, chance that you have for survival. Something like that. But it's more of, like, you have to change. Like, that's the end of the cycle is change always. But it starts with, like, that cardinal beginning. So that's interesting that you deal with that, like, those types of people. Or, like, you, you recognize that sort of energy. There's a lot of different balances with that, though. It's, like... In order for you to change, everyone else has to adapt, and vice versa, you know? Mm-hmm. And everyone is changing at the same time, so it's like the gears are all shifting in a sort of way where, like, it, it needs to match up. 
Or the machine will be broken. The cogs in the machine all need to turn. Yeah. Or it's like the garden isn't getting enough sunlight in one specific area, so like everyone needs to like start leaning over a different way together. I was thinking about how a month, when you're one years old, a month is like a really long amount of time because it's like one twelfth of your life versus when you're two years old, a month is like a little bit faster because it's like one twenty-fourth of your life and like the older you get the faster a month goes by because it represents an even smaller amount of time and your experience of time. Hmm. Yeah. I hate when pe- I feel like life I hate when people mm. lie about what time it is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like when I'm like, what time yeah. is it? And they're like 5.30 and it's not 5.30. It's it's 5.12. Like, why would you lie? <laughs> Don't round, please. Please. Um, I was going to say, though, I feel like time goes by a lot quicker when your eyes are closed. When you're sleeping? Yeah, or when you're sleeping. Just like when you yes, close your eyes. eyes closed. Yeah. Time goes by faster. I feel like first it goes by slow and then it goes by fast. Yeah, time really gets warped when you can't see anything. I wish I was more proactive about like doing stuff in my sleep. Do you know what I mean? But I'm not like because I'm usually so tired when I go to bed. I'm just like, okay. Good night. Yeah, rest is so important. Like, you can't just be in the astral field, like, playing with children all day. Like, you need to, like... But all the masters say that you shouldn't get a lot of sleep, that you shouldn't be lethargic. They're like, if you wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, just, like, stay up and pray. Um, And, like... That's interesting. Ice, I'm a sleepy girl. (laughs) I feel that. Actually, I don't know. I haven't slept for like two days. That's interesting when you say that. You're very high functioning. Yeah, I think it's because like, I don't know. It's just like something in my brain. Like my parents don't really sleep that much either. Oh, mine do. Yeah, mine really don't. When I was in high school, I hardly slept. Like I probably got four hours a night like if I got six hours it was like a good sleep but I was crazy back then Mm. like I feel like I have brain damage oh yeah for sure it's because it puts you in kind of like a hypoglycemic state because like you have to like compensate hypoglycemic what's that like you have like low blood sugar when you don't sleep a lot Mm. Well, I guess I'm making up for it now. Yeah, that's the pendulum. The pendulum. Um, I was going to say, oh, yeah, when you don't sleep a lot, because I'll go through these periods of time where, like, I sleep a lot or, like, I'm getting, like, a full eight hours and, like, I'm waking up on time. And then there's other times where it's, like, I go to bed at, like, 6 a.m. and I wake up at, like, nine or something and that would be like my three hours of sleep and like that will continue for like a month or whatever Mm. I mean like the longest I've done that for is probably like when I was really getting into cryptocurrency (laughs) and like I wanted to make sure I got like the early (laughs) like the early buys in the morning and stuff so like 
basically all of 2021. Um, like, I did not sleep out a lot in 2021. 2021 was kind of, like, a weird year. Yeah, it was really fun. It was fun, but it was also, like, urgent. It was, like, there was this urgency to, like, get your stuff together to, like, perform to the world in 2022 or like there was like this more of like a builder component probably because we were still dealing dealing with like the remnants of Capricorn yeah I mean both of us got our platforms last year yeah definitely. and that that is a whole thing I think just generally like you're like growing something and it's just sort of like fun and like a joke and like whatever and then you're looking at it growing and you're like wait a second this is a thing, like, people are sending stuff to my house, like, people are calling me up, like, I have to protect this, and then it changes, you know? Yeah. It's because you create your own energy field and, like, your energy aura, and you want to make sure that it's intelligent and uplifting and light and, like, have so much love behind it, and it's, it's also, like, changeable at the same time. Um... But yeah, once you start not sleeping a lot, I feel like you just start to see things in a different way. And maybe it's because you get into kind of like a delusional state. Like I can totally see why like uh, very highly spiritual people will say to like not sleep a lot. Because you definitely start seeing things more vividly because it's like you're conserving your energy more. And you like want to like pick things up or like you actually want to do like what you want to do sort of thing. You know how... Like, when a dog is living on the streets and it's running around and, like, you know, living, like, the rough life, it's not going to take the time to lick its wounds. And, like, when it gets a second mm -hmm. to lie down and rest, like, it just dies. Mm -hmm. I think you have to rest before you can be great, you know? Like, it's like a chrysalis. Like, I think, I mean, it's the pendulum, you know, both periods are necessary. Yeah. Life is just so interesting when it comes down to those sorts of weird energetic shifts that you can't really feel, but, like, you will eventually. These truly benevolent teachers, though, the ones who are getting three hours of sleep and, like, performing samayas and like giving and like living for their greater good they don't live in cities you know they don't have jobs they don't yeah. they don't need to that they're just like purely absorbing I don't know it's different it's not comparable in a lot of ways mm -hmm. it's their purpose though should we talk about the empathic nature? Yeah, I think that's like a good segue. The HSP. Highly sensitive people. Highly sensitive person. It's funny, we started this episode saying, oh, categories are just like, people just like create categories to like make rules for other people. And so far, all we've talked about is different categories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fine. Like, that's just the world that we live in. We can't help that we're so, like, domesticated in that sense by this capitalistic economy that we live in. But 
I feel like you can categorize, like, highly sensitive people, like, the empath per se. I... So some people really are like that. Yeah, I'm, like, hesitant to give that a ton of energy because I feel like it's a really privileged and nuanced take to be able to, like, say, I am an empath, you know, I am a highly trained, sensitive autistic whatever like just like being able to exist like that I think is a privilege and I don't know just generally people being like I'm special for this reason you know Mm -hmm. yeah but I think everyone has like empathetic tendencies yeah it's a choice and it's also just yeah, it is. And it's kind of, like, hard to, like, wrap yourself in and out of that. But other people don't really have a choice because they were kind of, like, have that childhood stuff going mm-hmm. on. Where, like, they have to be highly aware of their emotional surroundings or they'll get hurt. Mm-hmm. So, it's really difficult to say that. I was reading something the other day. I Maybe I've already talked about this on the podcast, but it's basically about how um, there's, like, two different types of relationship styles there's like the avoidant and the attachment like where one person gets like overly attached and has like an anxious style and the other person is more like avoidant and like a little bit like dismissive and these two people will always find each other like there's not going to be one person that like you're not going to have two anxious people together like you're always going to have one and the other it's not going to be like two dismissive people together it's going to always be the avoidant and the um, anxious, like, they're always gonna, like, find each other, or you're gonna make the other person like that in your relationship. That's so interesting. Like, if they don't have one. Why do you think that is? Yeah. Um, I think, like, on a, like, a spiritual level, it has to do with, like, the energy shifts that you give them. It's, like, this sort of subconscious, like, yearning of the other person, and then that, like, kind of pushes away the other person because they are kind of, like, content with it, and they can, like, give that love to someone else or or put that in the work or something, whereas the anxious person is constantly pushing out that energy, and they're, like, getting it from something else or like they have to be getting that energy to give something because like the love that you give is like the love that you receive like if I like love someone so much like if I just came over there and like started hugging you and like kissing you like you know what I mean (laughs) no you would be like Jan come here like the next day like you would give him that love you know I see what you mean yeah yeah it's grand There's a lot of different connections in that. Yeah, it's very porous. (laughs) I think one of the Um, greatest joys in love and, you know, like all types of love is, for me at least, being able to understand someone, like what they're saying, what's bothering them, like being able to look at them and think like, I get you, like, it's okay, Mm -hmm. you know? It's such a good feeling to understand someone and to be understood back. It's it's the best. I don't think you can ever fully understand someone, though. Like, it's just so... There's so much depth and, like, so much is changing. As soon as you try to pin someone down, they're going to they're gonna run away, like, metaphorically, you know? Yeah, but that's, like, the joy of, like, having that sort of... I don't want to say chase, but it's more of just, like a caring interest kindness towards another person that's 
like has a depth of unconditionalness to it because like that unconditional love like I mean you could our parents can say they love us unconditionally but like do they really yeah. I don't really believe like <laughs> like I feel like all love is like a little bit conditional the love of a, of your child is almost selfish in a way because it's your likeness you know it's your legacy it's your mm -hmm. seed if you will I hate saying the word seed I'm sorry <laughs> but you know they look just like you like and that plays yeah. into it like your child is your child but it's also not your child at the same time like it's also just a person and you have to like look at it in that way especially if you want to like try to um, practice non-attachment as much as possible because then you're like attached to yourself and another person which is your child um Oh, that's an interesting... But I think unconditional love... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, like, unconditional love is more of, like... Like, a frequency that you can tap into. But, like, on this material plane, like, this hard earth ground that we're standing on, there has to be, like, some conditions just because of, like, the gravity that we're bound to. Like, that's a condition that we're living under. Mm -hmm. um, and we can't, like, accept... Like, we can't just, like blindly follow someone to the depths of hell and to the depths of toxicity like you have to have your own sort of frequency access to that unconditional self-love in a way because like universal self-love is also just love for another person because there's there's this like interconnectedness network that we're all a part of it's sort of interesting so. how all relationships are rooted in toxicity in a way you know it's like we're all mm -hmm. these like perfect beings but to the extent that we get along and we understand each other it's through our attachments and our aversions and all these things you know I don't know toxic is such a strong yeah. word it is but what what is another name for toxic though like poison like a poisoned relationship I feel like that's a little bit worse mm. Like when a tree falls in the forest, but there's still, like, life growing from it. A little bit damaged? Well, no, it's like the tree fell down, it's not gonna, like, go back up again, but it continues to grow. It's still alive. Mm -hmm. You like that? <laughs> yeah. I'm just, like, picturing it in my head with, like, all of this, like, little mushrooms around it. Like, there's something more. But that's also, like, the change of relationships. Ugh, it's so beautiful. Um, when I try to describe unconditional love, it's, like... It's, like, someone looks into your head and they flip through all your files, all your layers. Like... The montage, I guess we're talking about this amazing movie now, um, in Everything Everywhere All at Once, when she's asking her husband to like prove to you, her that he's from another dimension and he shows her her life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was this line from a poem, I want to say it was C.S. Lewis, but I'm wrong about that, I'll put it in the description. When you go to heaven, God shows you all the poems you would have written had your life been good. And I feel like it's sort of like that. It's like someone like flipping through all your files, seeing all your darkest and your ugliest bits, 
all your beautiful bits, like all the moments that comprise like who you currently are, your current state of being, and just like shining joy on that, you know, like loving it. Yeah. So let's talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. If you haven't seen it, just watch it. Like, don't... You can still listen to this because we're not going to really give away the premise. We're just going to be more talking about, like, the philosophy of it. But don't even, like, watch a trailer or anything. Just, like, go and see yeah. it. I was shocked. I did not think that it was going to be like that. Yeah, I'm not a huge movie person, but it was really beautiful. It was really special. And I watched this interview with the main actress and... She was saying, you know, I'm at a place in my career where I'm only going to do a movie if I think it's something really good. Like, I think there's really a lot of meaning behind it. Like, I don't want to just, like, leave my family for six months for no reason. And then she says, when they sent me this script, and then she starts crying. And she was like, I knew it was everything I had ever been waiting for. You know, like, she was like, I've waited for this movie my whole life. I just, it was a really, it's a really special and well thought out project that touches on something really divine. Yeah, and they also had a really small, like, budget compared to, really? like, big, mm-hmm, I think it was only, like, 200 million, which is, like, nothing. Yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> yeah, and they, I mean... The, the the really interesting part of this entire movie that I keep on thinking about is how the majority of the movie was filmed in an IRS tax building and a laundromat. Mm. Like, the two most mundane places in the entire world. You know, it's like an IRS tax building. It, like, it kind of just, like, shows, like, how, like, your life can be seemingly meaningless but completely meaningful at the same time. Because it's just an IRS tax building. Like, that's literally the boringest place I can ever think of. I think you can always ask... And a laundromat. ...for meaning. And you will receive it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. a blue eggshell or something. Yeah, there's always going to be something that you can get excited about. There's always going to be new sources of joy that you can find. Even if that's within your inner spirit or if you have to search that out elsewhere, like a little frog. But it's like... You know, I think the movie took a really interesting perspective on suicide, one that I like haven't seen before in the mainstream. Did you think so? Yeah, I thought it. Well, um, if you've ever read um, Albert Camus, which is like a French philosopher, I thought that it was very similar to like his philosophy and stuff because it's kind of. Yeah, there's like this nihilism complex within that movie that I really enjoyed because about the whole you know, suicide thing, it's kind of like, what's the purpose? Like, it's it's funny that it's so meaningless. Well, she reaches that point, and then she finds her purpose, you know? I yeah, mean, I guess that's how that's it true. goes. I guess you have to reach a place of, like, what is there to live for in order to find something to live for, you know? The rock bottom. But I thought it was sort of... And, you know, disclaimer, this is not my perspective on suicide this is just what I saw in the movie or how I interpreted the movie to be representing suicide but like her daughter has a lot of pain 
you know, I guess I want to say she was experiencing depression, just like the way she was describing it was like this like overwhelming and like deep existing dread that had always been with her. And she wanted to die, you know, she wanted to go into the oblivion and like her mother was holding her back for the longest time. And then what'd you say? She, she was like, I don't know actually because first she like let her go but then she followed her I think it like spoke to the mother-daughter relationship of course um also I was reading that it was supposed to be Jackie Chan and his son but it, instead they did a mother and daughter that's good because I, I don't care about that yeah <laughs> I know it's so much better with girls because I feel like we have more of like an emotional range and and men are like you know men should just like n already know that like we have more of emotional range than them like every woman is an artist every person is an artist but there is just such like an innate like will to create because you know women create babies inside of them it's like there's this kind of like primitive force that like women need to create things so I think it's better that they chose like the mother-daughter not saying that like gender has anything to do with it it's more of just like the archetype of what that symbolizes um if you want a good father-son yeah. movie what's a good father-son movie beautiful boy kicking and screaming yeah with Will Ferrell I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> we can find some for the men um yeah I think, just like generally speaking, women have a lot of pent-up anger from being women, being in like the cycle of oppression, and I think women often take that out on other women who are subordinate to them, and like honestly, you can see this dynamic with white women and women of color, like white women taking advantage of women of color, and like I think... Is this a controversial thing to say? Like, I think oftentimes the anger that white women feel towards women they perceive to be subordinate to them is, like, through the domination of men. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think that's controversial. I think it's just... Well, it's not just, but it's, like, it's true. Like... And it's kind of, like, we shouldn't put the blame directly on the individual but like you sh there still should be like some accountability for how white women treat women of color because that's a hundred percent true well, like, i don't know we, like not, maybe we should put accountability on people like you can like work through your shit without like involving someone else in it you know oh yeah for sure yeah um but i think that there needs to be i think that dynamic also exists like with mothers and daughters like the anger that mothers have for their daughters it's like a hostile anger but it's so passive aggressive that it more feels like a little push instead of like a full-on like punch in the face squeeze and like that push can be very irritating you know yeah it's that squeeze like when your mom squeezes your hand when you're in the mall my mom doesn't touch me <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my mom doesn't, my mom is very not touchy-feely either, but, like, I am, I'm, like, a very cuddly, 
oh I hate that word but like I just like when I want to show love to someone like I just want to like touch their skin for a little while yeah like it's nothing like it is corny to say cuddly though I don't like that I word wish, but it's more of just like an intimacy I wish touch was more socialized like I want to like touch yeah. my friends you know <laughs> yeah like just touch their skin for a little bit admire them and that's that I also think that that's kind of something that the everything everywhere all at once kind of like really like put into like a beautiful like ball is like how sacred intimacy is even if it's just with like your IRS tax agent person mm -hmm. how would you define intimacy like moments of truth I wouldn't say vulnerability yeah moments of showing your truth but not in a vulnerable sense more in like an empowering kind of like I got you type of way without being completely like destroyed you know because some people do have like intimacy with um that sort of like feeling of loss sort of thing or like that trauma that pain or like having um an access to another person where, like, their boundaries are down, mm -hmm. like, that's not really intimacy. That's more of, like, taking advantage. I think understanding someone, like, understanding their story and, like, why they are the way they are, even just if it's, like, I don't know, at your job or something, I think that goes a really long way. Also about um, everything, everywhere, all at once, I think it was, like, super interesting how, like, the, the bagel, you know, was kind of like a paradox or like an abstract or kind of like a paradoxical thing of um the eye you know with like the the um black center the eye of no Horus? remember the mom called? had like the Egypt? eye on her forehead like when she was battling with her daughter yeah the googly, oh, eye. The googly eye and um mm -hmm. the the um, daughter had like the bagel I think that just like shows such a symbolic meaning of like their differences of how they like view the world where hers is a little bit more like again like nihilistic or meaningless or uh, like absurdist in a way and hers is more of like there's meaning there's depth there's more mm. intentionality behind it yeah I thought that That's was interesting, interesting too when I saw that and like started realizing it and like ruminating in my mind um. I think it's the coolest thing that so many cultures and belief systems focus mm -hmm. on the third eye and like this energy center and it's yeah, also where the pineal like gland the forehead, is like right in between your eyebrows it's a really nice pressure point to do especially after like you've worked out or something yeah but you have to be careful because you might poke <laughs> your brain uh it's cute because, like, babies have squishy foreheads because they're not, like, fully formed yet. <laughs> my mom used to yeah. say that she would, like, massage my face every night so, like, it would get, like, beautiful. <laughs> I know. Damn, that's nice. thought that was cute, but that's... I think being a... Being a baby is so intense. Just looking at everything and, like, trying to understand it. yeah. I'm glad I'm out of that era, out of I my baby I era. I think I enjoyed being a baby. 
I kind of remember yeah, how same. it felt to be a kid. And it was sort of like being drunk, like clumsy and like slow and like you never knew what was going on and people just took you places and picked you up and put you down. Oh, it's lunchtime. Oh, it's nap time. Yeah. Uh, I just remember like being like pulled by my arm like to go places. Um, but yeah, babies are very like form like they're they're so squishy and like <laughs> you know it's like their insides as well. Yeah, love babies. Love them. Um, how do you feel about guys following girls on Instagram a lot? Like random Instagram models like, and stuff. Girls. Yeah, or like girls who are like posting pictures of themselves a lot. And no shade to them, like at all. Like it's more of just like the man. Like we're focusing on the male intention here, not the females or the women's or male presenting, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think if I saw that a boy I was interested in was following like a ton of models on Instagram I think I would feel uncomfortable about that like um I mean you know like the accounts that you follow online are where you're putting your energy when you're online um and like It's like that's what you want to see when you're having your like alone time mm -hmm. on your phone, you know? I also, I've read accounts from, and I've just like heard from influencers that like they've had experiences where like they posted a video of them or like a photo and it really blew up like for like that type of male. You know, like a lot of like pictures of trucks, like truck profile mm -hmm. pictures following them. And apparently those followers are like the most worthless followers. Like they never click anything. They never read anything. They never engage. They never buy anything. Like it's like a useless follow, you know? And so like when someone has a video or a piece of content that does really well with that audience, it's like bad for their That's engagement. interesting to think about like how... I think if a guy is doing that, it just kind of shows what their inside looks like. Because what you do on social media, it's kind of like, I think I've made this example before, but it's kind of like what you're eating. Like, you're, like the things that you look at is like the things that like mm. you're eating. Like, you can consume your mind with those things just like you're consuming food. You're nourishing your mind with what you see, with what you think about. So it's like that guy is like kind of like eating that girl in like some sort of way. You know what I mean? There's like this cons like I don't know how to explain it so well, but like the first hermetic principle, how mm -hmm. your thoughts shape your reality. If that is what you are seeing, like you're going to be, like, going through yeah, the world seeing yeah. that, too, you know? And craving that because that's, like, what you become eventually comfortable with. And that goes for, like, all accounts, too. But it's just, like, kind of... I also feel like it's 
mindless at the same time like I think men just like follow girls because it's like a mindless thing to do or it's like something that like they're not really like mindful of as well it's like kind of like just like you're eating junk food all the time not saying that these girls are junk food or anything like that but that's kind of like how you know like their that like dynamic is like if there was like a triangle of desires and I'm pretty sure there is Maybe I'll link that too if I can find it. Um, it's a very primal desire to be attracted to someone's body. And you know, we've all been there. Like, nothing's wrong mm -hmm. with being primitive. Like, I'm attracted to certain bodies. But, like, um, if that's what you're looking for in your partner, for example, that's, like, it's a it's pretty low grade on, like, the scale of desire. Like, it's, um, I, I feel like the the um real life implications of someone who has like I guess what we would deem like a socially attractive body you know like wide hips good for birthing like a symmetrical face like good genes yeah. and no incest <laughs> and um in like the society we've built you know with like all of our different value systems like I would, I would think that that should be more of a bonus than, like, any reason to date someone. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the other thing, Sarah, is, like, these men aren't looking at these women with reverence mm -hmm. or respect. Like, they're degrading them. They're, like, using them as part of their, like, core yeah. mindset. And you it's know? also, like, a way to negate their feelings in a sense because they're kind of, like, focusing on something that doesn't really have anything to do with them, but, like, pleases them at the same time. <laughs> it's, like, they don't... It might even be, like, a form of self-hate in a way, like, if we're gonna go that far. I mean, you can take things as far as you want. That's the beauty of life. Like, you can Let's take, take it... them. Let's yeah. get on my magic carpet. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of, like, a form of self-hate when a guy kind of, like follows girls like every single day especially if it's like women who like they kind of can have access to you know it's kind of like a backup plan in a sort of sense where it's like oh I know how if I hit this girl up like they will probably respond to me and like we can we can be in cahoots and we can like be talking and stuff like that like there's always like this sort of energy thread that's like out there but it's like a form of self-hate because you're giving that energy away and you're not taking that in for yourself and using it for your own growth and nourishment you know what do you think about hypothetically you're like dating someone and you find out that they subscribe to OnlyFans how do you feel about that uh, uh I mean my first instinct is like no, like I'm I'm good off on that. You know, like I don't want I don't want to be associated with that. Like that just like it th there's nothing wrong with OnlyFans though. Like I I don't know how to explain it. It's just kind of like if I want to be in union and partnership with someone then then they like can't yeah. Like there's just like certain boundaries that like you can't cross with another person and like subscribing like paying for someone to see their body and stuff. I mean, going to a strip club once in a while like okay, that's I guess that's fine, like, if you're doing that to have fun or whatever, or if, like, you're doing that to, like, be with your friends and stuff, like, you know, but still at the same time, it's, like, why can't you just be normal? 
yeah, I ask myself that every day. Um, yeah, I mean, I would agree that, like, in union, there is no place for, like, exchanging sexual energy with yeah, other people. Yeah, because OnlyFans is, yeah. And the guys who usually are, like, subscribed to girls on OnlyFans are, like, I mean, no offense, but they're just, like, kind of, like, creepy old, like, not creepy old, but, like, just those guys who are, have a little bit of, like, less self-confidence than their potential is, or, like, they're just, like, not living up to their potential, and that might just be because the energy that they've put out, they haven't kept for themselves, and that's kind of, like, just that wasted potential is flowing out of them, and they're mindless about it. I can see how it's enticing, though, like, seeing, like, a beautiful girl on Twitter, and you're $15 away from seeing, like, her bared asshole, you know? Yeah. Like, but then I think, I honestly think, like, you know, when you're forming those, like, neural patterns and, like, you're just following these accounts, you're engaging with these accounts, are you, like, gonna walk down the street and look at me and think about my asshole? Mm-hmm. Guys do that. Do they? Like, I hate that. I hate that so much, even though it, like... I don't know. I have my own thing with that. Yeah. It is weird to think about that, like, the reality of it is that most men who are too attached to that side of themselves will always objectify women or women bodies. Yeah, I mean, I think you can think of it like a muscle you know, and, like, we can expand in so many different directions, like, and the universe will always meet us there, um, mm -hmm. you know, you can get really fit, you can get really good at chess, you can learn every language in the world, you can become a meditation god, like, there's so many different things you can do, and, like, I think you need to be curious, but you also need to be, what word am I looking for? make good choices everyone <laughs> yeah what about um a guy who has a lot of female friends mm. I've heard some really good opinions on this that I can't like think of at the moment but it is kind of like opinions in favor <laughs> I mean, it's fine to have friends, you know, but it is kind of different when, like, you get really deep into conversation and you have, like, this mental stimulation and attraction for what they have to say that it becomes very intimate and um, you should kind of, like, reserve that. I mean, if you're into monogamy and stuff like that, then you should, like, reserve that for, like, your special person, like, your person that you can tell those things with. And your person should be able to, like, comprehend what you have to say and should have that sort of, like mental um attraction and whatever but what i'm thinking of that you know not to play devil's advocate but like not everyone has a person or wants to and if like one day they did have a person do they have to like destroy all their other connections yeah that is true that's why it's i'm i don't really care about a guy having a girls that are friends 
Because then that also just, like, shows your insecurities as well. Like, why, why are you insecure about the relationship, you know? <laughs> like, you should feel the bond between you guys is stronger than anything, like, if you're very much into this relationship. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a case-by-case basis. And, like, if you are, like, mm-hmm. seeing the energy between two people and it's making you uncomfortable, like, I think that's really valid. Um, yeah, super valid. But, like... I'm just imagining, like, if I was, like, just dating someone and I was meeting all his friends for the first time and it was, like, a bunch of girls, I think I'd be, like, a little confused. Yeah, it would kind of rub me the wrong way, but I'm pretty sure you'd get over it with time, especially if you see, like, how their dynamic really is. Because sometimes, like, guys have girls that are friends and it's, like, very much like brother sisterly in like a very platonic way where it's there's like this neutrality that like like ew I'm not attracted to you in that way like I would never touch you in that way there's just no like you know like that that will never happen and you can feel that like with a guy that you are with or whatever and they're, like, talking to, like, a friend that's a girl. Like, you can feel, like, this sort of, like, you you can gauge. Like, your intuition is always going to be right. Like, if something feels off, then it's off. He could also have but... a ton of boyfriends and be gay. Like, in euphoria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wish people asked the questions they want to ask when they arise. Like, I was in a pawn shop. I, yeah. I was in a pawn shop the other day, and I asked the owners, what happens if someone can't pay you back? Like, what do you do? And they were like, OMG, no one's ever asked us that before. And, like, if I was going to borrow money from a pawn shop, it's not the first thing I'd ask. Like, <laughs> I think we've created a lot of rules with COVID, like, over that past two years, like, a lot of should and should nots and it's like babe those are your rules not mine like a lot of restrictions like even into talking with someone I want to say so yeah I mean I felt that way a lot in middle school like there were so many things that were like oh my god that's so weird like that's so awkward that's so random like it kind of feels like that (laughs) Mm-hmm. well I think that's gonna be it for today guys I hope you like this podcast and remember to follow us on Instagram and our personal accounts as well and our TikToks yeah we never say that we should if we have something that you need Tell us, and we can nourish your mind with it. If you need me, I'll call you. Bye.